Um, before we begin today, I want to make something rather clear, or as clear as I can. Um, I was telling the salt team this. Um, and that is, Christians uh, should not be anti-science. Christians should not be anti-science. Um, I would even go far to say... I would even go far to say that when we are anti-science, we do damage to the name of our creator and the creation in which we study, and that is a set. So I'd go as far to say even that. We're going to watch two videos today that attack a specific aspect of the scientific community. But we're not attacking science. I want to make that clear. We're not attacking science. We are attacking the materialistic assumptions held by many scientists. And unfortunately, we have to address this issue of science because the atheistic community equates materialism with science. That's what makes this conversation so hard. The atheistic community equates materialism with science, which, if you know the definition of science, isn't that. They make philosophical claims not based on data, but on preconceived ideas about reality. We've covered that the past few weeks, what you will be, if you're not already, bombarded with materialistic propaganda that asserts an agenda which is not backed up by data, but only backed up by assumptions of what future data possibly holds. We saw this last week. Um, Einstein himself, if you remember the conversation with Stephen Meyer, made this blunder. uh, Einstein called it the biggest blunder of his career. He made his equation of the universe fit his preconceived notion of an infinite universe. He made the math work, even though he knew it didn't match the data. Again, the equation worked, but the reality didn't. And that is in the same place we are in today with much of origins and mutation studies. We're going to watch two videos and answer some common science questions following this video. So the first one is Science Uprising Episode 5, our video um, producer today is Mr. Ben. Thank you. You can hit the lights too behind you. So we must understand something as we look at the origins debate and the mutations debate, and that is that there are um, agendas within worldviews. So each worldview comes with an agenda. It has a purpose or a set goal. Christians are not out, like, out of this. We have an agenda with our worldview. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I have commanded you, and I will be with you to the end of the age. Like, our goal is in our worldview, and every worldview has goal. And the thing is with science, the key to science is to put those agendas aside as best we can and look at whatever the data says and wherever the data will lead us. And we feel, scientists, Christian scientists feel like we've done that. And I think even materialist science are moving in that direction too. Think about it. How do we explain the fine-tuning of the universe? How does materialistic science do it? Well, science knows that the possibility of a just-right universe is exceedingly narrow. Not just extremely but exceedingly, like the more we know about the universe, the more difficult it gets to create a universe in this just-so space. So how do you get around it? 
you posit billions and trillions of other universes, and we just happen to be the one universe that it works. That's what you have to do. That's how they know that it's so narrow. The only way is that if chance times a trillion billion, which we saw the data last week. How do we explain the difficulty of life arising from non-living structures? Well, we know it's near impossible, impossible because we can't do it in a lab. Think about it. We, as intelligent agents, can't create the first cell. We're intelligent and we can't do it. But we want nature, <coughs> with no intelligence, to do so. So we know that's extremely difficult. Materialistic science knows it's extremely difficult. That's why more and more scientists are jumping, well, we can't do it on Earth. So the aliens dropped it off here, right? Like, that's where we have to go. Aliens, big hair guy, aliens, right? Like, we have to jump there because we know it's so difficult. The chances of functional life giving, uh, uh, chances of a functional life giving universe are impossibly slim. Multiverse. The chances that life builds itself, um, that life builds itself from itself are impossibly slim. Aliens. So they aren't limited by the data, they're limited by their worldview, right? We cannot posit God. And it plays not in just the origins of life debates, but it plays, in, it, it plays very much in the genetic mutation conversation too, which is where our next video takes us. If you lower this one, yep, and then you go to, video, yep, and then, and then you, and you upper, yep, and then you go to play, yep, okay, good job. So again, here, I want you to notice it's a worldview battle. It's not a science one. The data is clear. No new mutations that are creating new structure. No new mutations in the lab are creating new structure. That is the data. That is the science. And as we look at the complexities of life, we can't help but be in awe of the creativity. One of the most compelling quotes on this comes from the atheistic materialistic scientist, Richard Dawkins, in his debate with John Lennox. And I'll end with this before I address some common questions that people typically have under this topic. This is what Richard Dawkins has to say. When you consider the beauty of the world, and you wonder how it came to be, what it is, you're naturally overwhelmed with a sense of awe, a feeling of admiration, and you almost feel a desire to worship something. I feel this. He's a materialistic science, scientist. I recognize that other scientists, such as Carl Sagan, feel this. Einstein felt it. All of us share a kind of religious reverence for the beauties of the universe, for the complexity of life, for the sheer magnitude of the cosmos. And it's tempting to translate that feeling of awe and worship into a desire to worship some particular thing. A person, an agent, you want to attribute it to a maker, a creator. He said that in the debate with John Lennox in Birmingham, Alabama. The fact is, Richard Dawkins, I think at his core, gets it. And I think, actually, we all get it. That's Romans 1. We all deny what is clearly perceived in nature. And science has not made seeing God harder. It's made it easier. But most of the time, we just don't want that God. That's the issue. Materialists just don't want it. 
See week one of the apologetics lessons on iTunes to be reminded. So, um, let me address some common questions that I get when we cover apologetics, just in case, I hope, when I answer these questions, you're like, oh, that is a good question, and I probably do need to answer that. So let me address some common ones that we get. The first one is, how should I handle this knowledge that you've gained with my science teacher slash professor? Should you be the righteous zealot in your biology class on the high school and college campus? Anybody? Answers no. Okay? You are there to learn. Okay? Now, here's the beauty. We've been learning some great Columbo questions. And you can look like a primo student if you ask your science teacher, how did you come to that conclusion? Why do you believe that? Right? You can actually learn more about their materialistic worldview by using Columbo and asking those questions in class. And you don't come across as a Christian zealot who's out to convert everyone in the classroom and damn everyone else to hell, right? Which is how the media wants to paint us. So your job, you need to know this in high school and college, is to learn is to learn, even if it's to learn a viewpoint that is different than yours. That's good. That's good. Some of my favorite classes in seminary were we're learning about other religions. You know? Book of Mormon's interesting. It's weird, but it's interesting, right? I don't believe it, but it was a good read, right? Quran, that was not as easy as a read, but it was a read, right? Like, I, I learned about it, right? But it's good for you to learn about these things. So you do not have to be a zealot for Christ. Like, don't wear the Darwin is Dead t-shirt to your first day of Biology 101. And, um, or Darwin's a theist, right? Like, now, right? Like, uh, that's what it says on the back, now. Like, it, it's not a good way to score points with your professor. So don't do that. So another question that gets asked a lot, guys, please put the knife away. Okay. I want to go into fields that deal with these things. You want to do mechanical engineering. You want to do science. You want to do biology. How do I handle the pressure of being in the minority? How do I handle that? You do. I mean, I wish I could give you like a, a great answer. Um, you will face opposition. You just need to know that. You will be in the minority. But being in the minority is not a bad thing. You guys live in America... Like, it still kind of feels like at times that Christianity, at least most people, like, they're okay with it. But the vast majority of Christian history has, you've been in the minority. That's okay. It's okay. Okay? Um, if you want to know more about that, I could put you in touch with people who have worked in these fields and have dealt with the pressure their whole entire lives. And you can have conversations with them. And that's the best I can do for you as your youth pastor. And tell you, hey, talk to this guy. He's a biochemist, and he'd love to talk to you, so you can know kind of what to expect going into that field. Okay. Um, great question was asked last week in the boys group. I want to make sure that the ladies hear it too. 
is um, how do we deal with the dating of the stars in the origin debate? Because um, um, if you hold to certain types of Orthodox Christianity, you have the universe being created somewhere between six and 8,000 years. Well, how do we deal with stars that are millions of years away, light years away? Um, I want you to know the PCA's position on these things. The PCA, that's our denomination, holds to three views of the origins debate. And you can still be a good Presbyterian minister and hold to these views. Okay? So you can even be, like, laid hands on in a proper way and still hold to these views. The three views are the literal six-day creation, the um, day-age view, which holds to the days of creation are not actual 24-hour days, but they constitute an age in creation, and God created over time, for a framework view, which is very similar. Okay? Um, you can hold to any of those views. If you hold to an old universe, you can still hold to an old universe and be a Christian. You're not anti-Christianity or a pagan if you hold to that. That's not your youth director saying that. That's the PCA, like, that's the, that's the PCA document saying it, okay? So, like, if your parents get mad at me for saying that, I'll tell them, go talk to Pastor Patrick, and he can direct you to General Assembly. They say that, okay? If you hold to a six-day creation, and you hold to a young earth, what you have to believe is that the universe was created with age, much like Adam and Eve, we believe Adam and Eve were created somewhere in the age where they could produce offspring. So they weren't like, hey, what's up? Let's go play soccer. And they're like kicking around an apple in the garden as three-year-olds. We don't believe that, right? We believe that they were created mature. So if you believe to a young earth, you just believe that the universe was created with the appearance of age. What does that mean for Adam and Eve? Okay. So the, you have to still hold to an orthodox position on Adam and Eve. And what does an orthodox position on Adam and Eve entail? That they existed. Boom. And there are going to be many denominations within the church, not the Presbyterian denomination, but many very liberal denominations that say Adam and Eve never existed. And if that's the case, when Jesus is quoting the fall of Adam and Eve, he's lying. And that makes Christ a liar. And I am not willing to make that jump. Okay? So, the, on the positions of Adam and Eve, they must have existed. They must have fallen in the garden. That is here. He's our literal federal head. Where did all the wives of uh, the children of, you know, Adam and Eve come from? I don't know. I just know there was a literal Adam and Eve. Okay? There are literally tons of theories on... Nihilim and who I and all the other crazy ones you want. I don't go into those because I don't care. Right? But you, but you can, and if that's your hill, go defend your hill. I'm not going to defend that mountain. But there's an explanation for it. It's not given. It's not given to us in Scripture. So I don't feel the need to defend a position that's not given. But there are some people that search for those answers. That's fine if you feel that way. Okay? But that is the orthodox position on Adam and Eve. You just have to hold that they exist. Okay? And then Adam fell. He was born innocent, and then he fell into sin. Not perfect. Innocent. Different. Okay? Hey, what do I do if climate change comes up? Y'all, 
This is not a climate change is not a salvific issue. It's not. You can believe in climate change if you want, based on the data. You can believe that climate change doesn't exist based on the data. I simply ask you to take the scientific approach to it and not the propaganda approach to it on either side because both are littered with bad science and bad commentary because we get our views on this from the view instead of science. Don't even get me started, okay? So please, if you're if the person you're getting knowledge from is a comedian at 11 o'clock at night, you might want to look at data, okay? Um, if you want my personal opinion, I do believe that uh, people have created uh, change in the climate. I don't know how much. I'll tell you this much, though. I think if we believe that we know the Creator and He's put us in charge of taking care of His environment, we should do that. Amen. So I'm pro taking care of animals, especially if they're uh, not going to eat me. <laughs> If they are going to eat me, that can be your hell. Okay? 